But I had asked you guys two weeks ago, imagine, imagine a world, okay, that's very hostile to God, okay? Imagine a world that, that there's racism going on, there's uh, prejudice going on. Imagine a world where there's rebellion going on against God. And whatever you see, whatever you do, it's really not good. Imagine a world that is taking evil and calling it good. Imagine that world. Then we think about it and we're like, we kind of live in that world right now. Now imagine Jesus showing up right before you right now. And he's the, the Lord, the Christ himself is here. And imagine him saying, hey, whoever wants to get out of this rotten world right now, come here. Come follow me. Come here. Raise your hand. And imagine yourself saying, I want to get out of here. I'm ready to leave this world. And you pursue Jesus. Now imagine yourself in heaven and you see Jesus the Son talking with his heavenly father in the throne. And you're so close that you can hear their conversation. You can hear what they're talking about. And then imagine, imagine that Jesus is saying to his father, Dad, Dad, I did. I did exactly what you wanted me to do. I asked them who wants to come and get them out of this world. And now they came. These people here are here. And then the father says to Jesus, that's good, son. Well done. Now take those people, go back to this earth, and spend time with my people. You know, for a while, when, when you think of that story, a lot of times we think of the return of Christ and how it all is going to play out and we're going we're gonna to get out of this rotten world. But that really is a picture of when we first come to Jesus Christ. You see, you're taken, you're taken, you hear the calling of Jesus, hey, hey, I'm over here, let me bring restoration to your life. And you say yes to the calling and you pursue Jesus, you come to Jesus. Okay, and when you come to Jesus, you are no longer a part of the world system or how things are, 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 how the world enslaves you. You are now a child of God. But at the same time, while you have this benefit of, okay, now, now I'm a citizen of heaven, God has called us back to this earth and said, okay, now I need you. Because not only are you a citizen, you are now have a mission on your hand, and I need you to spend time with my people. You know, when I, when I shared that story, it was pretty easy to imagine because we can relate to it. Let's be honest. I mean, just turn the news on and we see what's going on in this world and it's not going to get better. But the one thing that will transform and change is your heart and those that are reaching around you. You know, the last few weeks we were in a series called Seek Me. And it was all about what it takes and what we need to do to seek our Heavenly Father out. And not to cookie cutter a system out for us on how to do it, but to be authentic, to be genuine, to be real with God, and say, I just give you all of me. I don't just seek you in the mornings as a devotional, but I give you my devotional, uh, my life as a devotion. You know, and not just to seek you in the morning because it's the start of my day, but to seek you early in a situation and in a problem as well. And saying, you know what, God, I'm not going to pity party for three days and then turn to you. I'm going to turn to you every single, single time. You know, we talked about how we can indicate that by simply when, uh, looking at when a problem rises up maybe in the home or in your life. If our words are like, oh, God, why am I going through this again? And I, just, I don't understand. There's an indicator that we're just not simply seeking him. Because the first thing that should be coming out of our mouth is, you know what, I need to go to his word and I need to pray some things out. I need, to go, I need to surround myself with people that are strong in the word as well. And I'm going to get out of this thing. 
I will not camp in the season. I will truck forward as we go. And so we, I, I remind you that because the whole three to four weeks that we talked about seek me or seeking him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind, I want to show you the, the flip side of I can say it that way, the other way. And how we have a heavenly father. We have someone that loves us so much that he is in pursuit of you and me. He is the one that's seeking us out. I mean, if we can just think about in the beginning, even when mankind, when Adam and Eve fell, Jesus was looking for them. He was still pursuing them. Yeah, there were things that had to, take, uh, had to come to account, but he didn't leave them and neglect them. He still pursued them because of a father's heart. You know, I, I have, I, I'm going to have four children. One of their favorite games is, is hide and seek in the dark. You know, and even though I know exactly where they're at, I still pretend I'm looking for them. Because that feeling of, look, dad's looking for me. I mean, they're behind the curtain. I can see their feet, you know. And, and they're behind the curtain. But the feeling of a child, think of, remember yourself as a child one time. You're the, you're the one that's hiding. And you the giggles you have because someone is looking for me. The giggles you have. And my daughters, man, they, they give it away. And those times where I really don't know where they're at because they're hiding really good, all I have to say is, where are you? <laughs> I mean, I know exactly the giggle that they have. And you guys, in a sense, have to have that joy, that, giggle, that eternal giggle in your heart, knowing that you have a daddy that's looking for you guys. A daddy that's saying, hey, I'm seeking you. I'm pursuing you. You thought you were pursuing me. You thought you got, no, I got you beat, man. I got you beat. You know, Pastor Danny and I were talking last night. We were just kind of just hanging out yesterday, and he was sharing with me how, you know, you can never, a child can never outlove the parent. Amen, parents? You love them more. And they can say it all they want, and they can have a big contest about it, but reality is the parent loves the child more. Your God loves you. Your Heavenly Father loves you more. And the only reason why you can love, the only reason why is because he loved you first. And that's truth, okay? And that is truth. You cannot out, outweigh or outdo God. You can continue to love God and continue to seek him. But let me tell you something. His is, too far, his is eternal, okay? His is far more greater. And you see this God, this father who seeks us out. I mean, you look at Jesus in the Gospels when he's actually physically on earth and he's, and he's walking the grounds here. And in the New Testament, you see in the Gospels where, where through this, his son, Jesus Christ, you see him seeking God's people out. He's in pursuit with them. I mean, you see the hunger of Jesus for his people through his, and you see the desire of a father. For instance, we have the, the Samaritan woman. Okay, the Samaritan woman, uh, imagine Jesus, he's with his disciples, and for some reason they part ways, and Jesus is thirsty, and he hangs out at the well. Okay, and as he's thirsty, the Samaritan woman comes up to draw water out, and Jesus simply asks for a drink of water from her. Now, understand culture at that time, okay? Jews and Samaritans, they didn't socialize with each other. It's just something that just didn't do. And understand that Jesus was a Jew, and this woman was a Samaritan. And so when Jesus asked uh, the Jew asked the Samaritan woman for a drink of water. She questioned, why are you talking to me? She didn't even address, she didn't even address the, the fact that he was thirsty or didn't even acknowledge it. It was the fact that, whoa, you're, you're doing something that's not normal in her eyes. But Jesus was doing something because he was in pursuit of her. He was pursuing her. See, she wasn't even looking for him, but he was looking for her. 
And so they're there and they're, and, and they're sitting down and, and Jesus starts revealing himself to her. He took time. And even in a thirsty moment, he took time to reveal himself to her. And in uh, John 4.10, Jesus um, talks to her and Jesus says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Again, understand at this time, they just didn't socialize with each other. And the culture was they just didn't do anything. But Jesus was breaking something. He was breaking a bondage that needed to be broken because he understood there is a kingdom that is no Jew nor Greek, no Jew nor Greek, male nor female. We're breaking all systems to do it God's way and the way God intended. But it required a father to pursue a person. I mean, you look at it, culture didn't stop Jesus and reaching out to a lady. Culture didn't stop him. He offered her life. Not only did he offer her eternal life, living water, but he also encouraged her in the midst of their conversation for her to ask for it. If you only knew who was asking you, you would have asked him for the living water. Jesus brought this encouragement. He showed the heart of the father at that moment on earth of a daddy in heaven pursuing someone here on earth. Even when they weren't acknowledging him or anything like that. They were pursuing him. Also, you look at, you look at Jesus uh, calling his first disciples. When you go back to the gospels again. And in Matthew, Jesus is walking and he's starting to call his first two disciples. And in Matthew 4, 18, it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. I'm going to pause that for a second. Understand, the reason why the scripture says that they, for they were fishermen is because that was their occupation. That's what they did for a living. They were fishermen. And I bet they were pretty successful at it. They were catching it. I mean, they had, they had the, it was a family business. They were working in the, in the midst of this uh, story. Continuing on. Jesus said, come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people or be fishers of men. And at once, <laughs> they left their nets and followed him. At once, they left and they followed him. Now, I just told you that was your occupation. Imagine your occupation right now and what you're doing. And you see the Lord and Savior coming. And he says, stop what you're doing. Come follow me. Think about the battle you're facing in your mind. Man, that overtime, though, <laughs> it's there. They're paying me time and a half, Jesus. They're paying me time and a half. Or, man, I went to eight years of schooling for me to be here. And I have to give all that up? Imagine the battle for a second. I know sometimes we read scriptures and we can overlook details, but when you ask the Holy Spirit to help you out and read these scriptures, he'll reveal things to you guys. He lives in you. But imagine the battle that they had to face. Imagine the battle that they had to face when Jesus said, hey, stop what you're doing. Come follow me. I'm not going to have you just be fishermen, but I'm going to have you fish for men, fish for people, leave it all. They dropped their nets and they left and they, and they pursued their Jesus and they went and started changing a world. Notice also in the beginning of that scripture where it says Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. Jesus went where Peter and Andrew were at. Is that not pursuing or what? Jesus went to their place. 
He didn't sit back. He didn't just hang out and just wait for people to come to him. He went to the people. And he went to, he went to Peter and he went to Andrew, the place where they make a living, where their career was at, to call them. Because not only culture wasn't going to stop Jesus from reaching out to people, careers weren't going to stop Jesus from reaching out to people as well. Imagine a father who really pursues their children. He's hungry for you. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, God's hungry. That was weak. Do it again. <laughs> I think you're hungry. I'm a little fatigued right now. But not, not only that. Not only with the Samaritan one, not only with the disciples, but when you look at the end of Jesus' journey, he's at the cross. It's, he's, it's, the scriptures say that there are these criminals that are being crucified next to Jesus. For their deeds, they deserved it. For their, their acts that they did, they deserved it, but Jesus didn't. But there was this one criminal, okay, at the cross. This is the end of Jesus' uh, journey on earth. Okay, not, not in an entire, on earth. His, his, his uh, uh, part on earth and him walking, the end of his life was right at that moment. And this criminal was guilty. Jesus was not guilty. But even while Jesus was dying, even while Jesus was facing death, it still didn't stop him to reach out to somebody. I mean, when you look in Luke Chapter 23, verse 42, it says, it says this, Then he said, the criminal, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Even death, in the midst of it, of some hardship, one of the lowest times of his life, knowing glory's coming later, didn't stop Jesus to reach someone that was in arm's reach was right next to him and was able to communicate with him. I love the message translation, how Jesus responded. He said, don't worry, I will. Don't worry, I will. Today you will join me in paradise. Because if a criminal, who, someone who was labeled a criminal, reached out and said, just remember me, Jesus reached right back, pursued him. I love you more. Imagine this criminal for a second. He probably was a criminal because, because of maybe many people rejecting him. I mean, the reason why he probably was at the cross and, and taking the ultimate punishment of execution. Imagine this man. Maybe his upbringing wasn't the best. Maybe his parents weren't involved. I don't know. But what I'm saying is he made some poor decisions in life. And because of it is, because of those poor decisions, it led to a bad reputation. And because of a bad reputation, it ultimately led to what, where he's at that moment. But a reputation didn't stop Jesus. A reputation of, of what he did in the past didn't stop Jesus in reaching out to a man that was just in arm's reach. And he says, don't worry, I will remember you. Everyone say, God's hungry. You know, you've heard it once, at least once. Someone may be saying, I found God. I found God. Maybe you were the person that said, I found God. And that's great heart and motive, but the truth is, you didn't find God. He found you. He was never lost. You were lost. You were founded by him. You know, when we look at those scenarios of the Samaritan woman and, and, and the criminal at the cross and the disciples, and if we go to Ephesians chapter one, uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, and it says, imitate Christ as uh, dearly beloved children. Imitate your God. 
who's in our arm's reach right now? Who's in our arm reach? Because God is not only pursuing you, but he's going to use you to pursue others. And in a sense, it's him pursuing those people. Don't allow a reputation, a career, don't allow any of that stuff to stop you from allowing God to reach those people. Because the reason why Jesus, the reason why our Heavenly Father uh, pursues us is because his nature, his nature is simply love. And maybe a love that we can't uh, quite understand or comprehend, but a, a love that's, that's unfailing, unending, and something that we can simply experience. He found us first, guys. He found us first. We, God was never lost. We were lost. You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7, you'll see a story about these Israelites. Okay, and, and Moses is in the picture of this, and these are God's people. And God just addresses this, and he uses Moses a lot. But God addresses something here, and he's talking to the Israelites, okay? He's speaking over these guys, and this is what it says in verse 7. It says, the Lord did not set his affection on you, okay, and chose you because you were more numerous than other peoples. For you were the fewest of all peoples, but it was because the Lord loved you. I'm saying that again. It was because you were chosen. It was because the Lord loved you. And he kept the oath he swore to his, your ancestors that he would bring you out with a mighty hand, okay, and redeem you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh and the king. Imagine these Israelites that are enslaved for, for hundreds of years, and, and uh, this guy, Moses, comes and he brings them out. But Moses is being used by God because God is in pursuit of his people. Imagine that. And these people are set free from slavery, from Egypt, and he let them free, let them go so they can continue to worship him. Now there's more to the story, but let me show you this one thing. God's nature and God's attitude never changed. Well, this is the Israelites he's talking to. Yeah, but his nature and his attitude never change. It never changes, for God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the reason why he found you people and me is because of his love. And the reason why he brought you out with his mighty hand from the slavery of this world bondage and addiction of this world is because of his love. And the reason why he redeemed you by the blood of the lamb and, 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 and freed you from slavery and all this, because of his love for you. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in his name, his holy name is everlasting. It is everlasting. But a lot of times we don't, we don't allow that to soak in within us. You know, sometimes we, we, we put a trial or a problem above God, not, not intentionally, but what I'm saying is this, when you allow a father, when you have the giggles in your heart, knowing I have a daddy that's searching for me every single day of my life, it, being, it brings pure joy. It brings uh, this everlasting love in your life where even if a problem arises, you're able to continue forward. He is pursuing you. He is hungry for you and for me. And by the way, there are benefits we have because of a hungry God. There are benefits we live today. I mean, we can see the benefits in simply in his name. And church, I want you guys to simply see it. I want you to see what God has given you. I want you to see how good that he is. I mean, I want you to see that he is Jehovah Nisi. Now, we hear these names of Jesus, but don't quite fully understand it. 
The scripture says that he is Jehovah Nisi, which means God who loved us first. We can, pro- we can proclaim him. In John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it says, we love because he first loved us. I'm going to say that again. We love because he first loved us first. He loved us first. The only reason why you can love your children, the only reason why you can love your spouse or your parents or your siblings is because Jesus loved you first. And if you're in a boat where you're like, I just can't, I can't love them right now. It's not in my power to. You're right, but you're wrong at the same time. You're right. It is not in your power. But the one thing you need to understand is the area that you need to adjust is experiencing his love. Because the reason why you can't love a certain person in your life right now, and you want to, you know it's wrong where you're at, but you just can't get over that, that, that bump in the road, I guess, is because you're not allowing yourself to experience his unconditional love. You see, when you experience his unconditional love, it spills and pours out to others. And so when you're, you're able to love the unlovable because of him working through you. You know, one of the things that my kids love doing in the summertime, maybe you guys too, is, is, is getting wet outside. You know, not just necessarily getting in a pool, but whether it's a sprinkler, whether it's playing with the hose and shooting each other, whether it's water balloons or buckets. The buckets is a good thing, by the way, okay? The one thing we can really care less about is how wet we get what gets wet, how overflowed the bucket is, because we're all going to benefit it no matter what. And in a sense, as a dad for them, I'm able to grab a full bucket and splash it all over and they get me back. In a sense, our Heavenly Father does that with His love. You can't contain it. You see, with those water balloons and the bucket full of water, the water can't be contained by that. It's going to spill, it's going to be poured, and we're going to have a blast in it. And his love is the same exact way. Imagine your life right now in areas where you need that splash on you and you need that, 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 that uh, love to just saturate you. He's saying, don't try to contain it. Just saturate yourself in it. Enjoy it. Let it spill to others. You only have a short time here on earth. Make it count. He's called Jehovah Nisi because God who loved us first. But not only that, he's also called Jehovah Shalom, which means God give us peace. You know, in in Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, listen to this, church, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) I don't think everybody caught that. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, I believe in you, Jesus. My faith has been activated. I love you, Lord. And I don't deserve this, but I know you give it to me. So I receive this gift of your eternal life because of you, Jesus, and what you did. Because I've been justified. I look right before you now, God. You accept me. And you're going to grow me. Now we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Understand that through mankind and God, there is a big hole, a separation, a cliff that separated us from, man, uh, from God, our Heavenly Father. And the only way to get across was someone to build that bridge, and Jesus did that. 
He is our God who gives us peace. There are times where we can't walk in that because we are simply not allowing Jesus to saturate us with his love. It is his love. It is his heart. He's hungry for you, church. But not only that, think about someone right now that feels like, man, there's just hope, no hope there. <laughs> that he's hungry for them as well. He wants them as well. We have peace with God when we experience that, when we allow a father to pursue us. I don't know what you're going through right now, but I can tell you he does. And whatever it is, he's saying, allow me to, to seek you out. Just listen. And the last one is he's also called Jehovah Rapha. Everyone say Rapha. It's just funny. Well, not funny, but it's fun to say. He is called Jehovah Rapha. God who heals. God who heals. Not just physically, but do you have a broken heart? Do you have an uneasy mind? Can you not sleep at night? Are you feeling depressed? Feeling hopeless? I can't do this anymore. He is Jehovah Rapha, a God who wants to pursue you and heal you. He said, there is still hope for you. There's still something I want for you. I want to keep, I don't care how many times you try to hide from me. I see your feet behind the curtains and I will look for you. And even though you feel like you're, I'm intimidating God, I am not. I am a loving father. Psalms 103 says this, praise the Lord, David says, praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits and what he has for you. Who forgives all of your sins and heals all of your diseases. We have a God who is hungry for you and wants to heal you. Whether physical, whether mental, whether a broken heart or a past that was hurtful, he wants to heal you right now. Not tomorrow. Not, don't tolerate it another second, people. Don't. This is a God who's hungry for you. You've heard it many times. People say, well, he's a jealous God. And sometimes we can uh, miss or not understand fully what he means. And the definition of what we think is different from what God is saying. Because an earthly and a worldly definition of jealousy is not what God is saying. He's not saying I'm jealous that I don't have you. He's saying, I'm jealous because I want you. I want all of you. Not just you on a Sunday and you being here and great job you chucked through the snow, but I want you every moment of your life. I want to give you healing. I want to give you rest. I want to give you. David says, forget not all your benefits. Forget not. Even when you're walking in a trial, in the most darkest time of your life, maybe you feel like no hope, nothing, and you isolate yourself. God's saying, you can't run from me. I will be there, and I will be waiting. What we need to understand is that we have assurance that God wants us. We have to have that understanding. In fact, he wanted and loved us so much 
he gave us his one and only son, Jesus Christ. He was willing to leave heaven, to come to earth, to get to our level, to say, I love you. People will fall short. People will fall short. And that's okay, because they're not your Lord and Savior. But he will never fall short from wherever you're at. Put your trust in him, church. You know, we hear it all the time, John 3, 16. And I love, I absolutely love that verse. I mean, even the world quotes it and they kind of twist it sometimes and whatever. But we're here to be a living example. But I read this scripture in the message translation and I loved how it just penetrated me. So I'm gonna read this to you guys. I want you to take it as kind of like a personal thing for you, because it really is. And let the Holy Spirit talk to you right now. John 3, 16 from the message. This is how much God loved the world, that he gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. See, God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. No, no. He came to help, to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Receive that, church. I'm going to close it with this story again. Actually, I want everyone to close your eyes for a second. Listen to these words. Imagine a world who is very hostile to God. Imagine a world where there's racism and prejudice going on. And there's rebellion going on. Right? Imagine a world that is so hostile. There's troubles and, and, and people are, are, are looking at evil and calling it good. Imagine a world where there's sickness and diseases going on. Imagine a world where, where there's hope, hopeless feelings everywhere. Now imagine Jesus coming to you right now. He's right before you right now. And he says, hey, lift your hand up right now. Who wants to get out of this rotten world? Who wants to get out of this place? Come follow me. And imagine yourself shooting your hand up in excitement saying, yes, I want to follow you right now, Jesus. I want to come with you right now, Jesus. And he says, come, come. Now imagine yourself, you're in heaven, and you see the son, Jesus, talking to his father on the throne, our heavenly father. And you're so close. You're so close to him that you can hear the conversation. And you hear Jesus saying to his father, father, dad, dad, I did what you told me to do. I went down. And I asked, who wants to get out of here and follow me? And they answered. Now they're here. And the father says to his son, well done, son. Now take those people and go back to the world. Go back to that earth and spend time with my people. Imagine that for a second. Now take the imagination off and accept the invitation that was just given to you right now. That invitation is real. Jesus is saying, who wants to get out of this? Who wants to be a citizen of heaven and no longer be a slave to the world? On the count of three, if that is you, I want you to shoot your hand up. 
One, I want Jesus. Two, I need Jesus. Three, shoot your hand up right now because you're answering the calling. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. It's time to answer that calling. God bless you. Understand, church, when you answer that calling, when you answer that, that voice, and you go back to his people, the one thing that's different, it's not the world, by the way. It's you. And guess who's with you? Your Lord and Savior. Anybody else? I want to give my life to him. I want to follow and I want to pursue him. Yeah, I don't know everything. Yeah, my, my reputation is not the best. But he's there with arms reached, still accepting me. And he's going to teach me things. God bless you. And, he wants to, and I know he wants to teach me something. Yeah, my job is all I've been, what I've been living for. God bless you back there. My job is what I've been living for. But he's called me, and I'm going to drop my net. I'm not saying quit, by the way. I'm saying I'm dropping my focus on my, my career, and I'm focusing my eyes on him. And through my career, he's going to use me. So I drop my net, and I leave the boat, and I run to Jesus. That calling is for you. We had a handful of people raise their hand today, church. But I got to give the church another invite. Actually, I won't even call it invite, a charge. That's what I'll call it. Imagine someone in your reach. Imagine someone that you went to their area. And imagine God using you to call them. Hey, you want to come follow him? I am. Imagine culture where it says you don't associate with this person because there's so much bitter and anger in the family or with friends. But you know they're thirsty. So you lean on the well and you start breaking culture. And you throw the invite and God uses you through it. Imagine you're facing hardship right now the way he faced death. But there's someone in arm's reach while you're going through hell on earth and it's been tough. There's this person that's in arm reach that you know you can still help because of the Savior that lives. Imagine that. Now, church, here's your charge. Do it the way Jesus did it. That's it. Do it the way he did it. I charge you, church, to move forward and to reach the unreachable love the unlovable and do the impossible of walking this world with your head up and with the savior before you and the world behind you now we again we had people that accepted christ right now i want everyone to do this as a church family put one hand over your heart romans 10 9 says if you believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth that jesus christ is your lord and savior you will be saved he's there he'll meet you right where you're at so if you raised your hand, or maybe you wanted to raise your hand but didn't, it's okay. The hand part is not, not the, the deal, okay? It's the heart. Saying, I'm going to just give you my heart. Just mean this with all your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe in you. I believe in your Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I am sorry for all that I committed against you. Jesus, come into my life. Fill me with your unfailing love I love you now say devil you lost me I have been found 
by my daddy. I'm no longer enslaved to you. I am set free. Chains are gone. Bondage is dropped. Charges are over. Jesus paid it for me. And if you guys believe that, shout out amen. Amen.